Hola, mi gente. My name is Jessica Yanez, and I want you to join me for some wine and chisme. The Wine and Chisme podcast was created to amplify voices across communities of color, all while drinking a glass of wine. From wine talk, interviews, and recaps of all things pop culture, join me every Wednesday for the chisme. Please make sure to check out the Wine and Chisme podcast and other amazing podcasts as part of the Latina Podcasters Network. Want to make a podcast? Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily, then distribute it everywhere, and even earn money, all in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer, so no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify, and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. Ever since we discovered Spotify for Podcasters, we have added question box to hear our community's thoughts on our episodes, polls to ask questions on what they think, and so much more. We highly recommend you give it a try. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to spotify.com slash podcasters to get started. Bienvenidos. Están escuchando a So Violento, So Macabro Podcast. Yo soy Ali. Y yo soy Dee. Y hoy Dee les contará de un crimen que sucedió en Atlanta, Georgia. The role of a mother is always to protect her children from those who want to cause them harm. She is supposed to cherish them and teach them good moral values. However, what happens when a mother sacrifices her children's well-being during a moment of hysteria and hallucination? This is the case of Maria Isabel Garduno Martinez and the brutal murders of her husband and four children. Advertencia. La información de este caso puede ser desencadenante para algunos. Tenga en cuenta que algunos de estos casos pueden involucrar menores de edad, abuso, violación o violencia. Escuchen con precaución. Warning. The information on this case can be triggering to some. Please be advised that some of these cases may involve children, abuse, rape, and violence. Listen with caution. Poco se conoce de la vida de María Isabel Garduno Martínez. Pero sabemos que nació en el 1989 en Benito Juárez, Michoacán, México, donde a los 20 años emigró a los Estados Unidos para buscar una vida mejor. Al llegar a Estados Unidos, se embarazó de su primera hija, que bautizó con el nombre Isabela. Trágicamente, el padre de la pequeña no quiso ser responsable de la niña, y María Isabela se convirtió en madre soltera. A los pocos meses se, uh, de haber dado luz, conoció a su esposo, Martín Romero. A los pocos meses de conocerse, empezaron a vivir juntos y a, muda, a moverse de Atlantic, Georgia, to Chicago, Illinois. Uh, después de ese momento, tuvieron cuatro hijos, de nombre 
Diana, Dakota, Axel y Dylan. Y durante ese tiempo la familia um, era una familia normal. What o sea, a cute name. I know, right? I love those names. Um, she, after this point, they had like a really normal, you know, relationship. They were, they basically were like the happiest family you could ever know. Iban a, iban a muchos lugares juntos, se miraban reír. Eran una familia. They look happy. Ajá, muy, muy feliz. Durante eh, mediados del 2017, la familia decidió mo moverse de um, Chicago, Illinois, to Longville, Long, Loganville, Georgia, cerca de la misma ciudad donde se habían conocido, en Atlantic, Georgia. Durante su relación, la familia de Martín aceptó a Isabel como parte de la familia. Ella no tenía familia viviendo en Estados Unidos, entonces la familia de Martín se convirtió en su familia uh, cercana. And to clarify, during the whole story, I'm going to start calling her Isabel because um, that's, what, that's what her family used to call her. So instead of Maria, they used to just call her Isabel. Um, and I know her daughter's name, Isabel, but <laughs> okay. everybody in the family called her that. Um, ella, por lo casual, no tenía familia en Estados Unidos. Entonces, en verdad, se, se acercó mucho a la familia de Martín. Uh, y la familia de Martín uh, sí la quería mucho. Um, ella, ellos describen a Martín y a Isabel como bien unidos y siempre querían tener a la familia junta, invitarlos a comer o or just to spend time with, you know, the family. And it's it's something that it's very casual in the U.S. because I feel like we all, like, want to have family over and, like, make barbecues or just even to hang out. So that's basically what they're describing. They are very family-oriented. Yes. So the, everything they did, it was always with the family. They would always talk to the family. They would always go visit family from, like, up north or, or they would come back down here to see them. So it was very family-oriented. Los describen como una familia amorosa atento y cariñoso a sus hijos, y entre ellos mismos. Se miraban como la familia ideal. Isabel era una devota católica y iban a la iglesia cada domingo. So they were very, very um, involved with the church. It's even said that in um, Mexico, where um, Isabel is from, her mother was like one of the most like religious women in, in their town. Que ella, que ella era muy religiosa. She was always like devoted to God and Even in an interview, la mamá dice que um, she always taught her daughters to be, like, one with God, to always respect God and give themselves to God. So, keep that okay. in mind. Nunca peleaban o discutían. Siempre tenían, like, minor, you know, like, arguments here and there, but it never escalated to the point of physical, like, abuse. So, so like, regular arguments. It was, yeah, it was yeah. just regular partner arguments, like, nothing physical. Parecían como, como eran una familia muy feliz. Pero al principio del, de junio de 2017, el padre de Isabel falleció. Y trágicamente, por su estatus migratorio, no pudo viajar a verlo a, a, a Michoacán. Which is, it's the worst. And as children of, of immigrant parents, we, we've grown up to feel that same exact pain as they do. Because it's, it's really hard to see your, your parents deal with that you know, struggle of not being able to see their family in Mexico. Yeah. Este, este suceso um, desencadenó una gran depresión en Isabel, al punto que cambió su vida y su estado mental de, completamente. She became depressed? Yes. Okay. Sus amigos y su familia notaron que Isabel se veía muy depresiva. 
to the point that like she she didn't seem like her old self she wasn't happy she wasn't inviting people over it was hard for her to get out of bed you know the typical depression like mourning grieving yeah that comes from losing a family losing member someone. yeah una de sus amigas cercanas declaró que su papá de, se dedicaba de la brujería en México. Dijo, Isabel, dijo que Isabel le contó que su papá hacía brujería con alguien del pueblo y por esa razón su papá le estaba en el infierno. So I remind you, she's a very hardcore Catholic. Religious. Yes. So she told her friend that. She told her friend that. Got it. And it kind of like shook her friend like a bit like, okay, yeah. this is weird. Um, but she went on. En un punto, estaban haciendo un rezo en su, en su casa. Y, and according to Criminalista Nocturno, reportó que esa noche después del rosario, Isabel se quemó las manos con una vela y dijo que con ese sacrificio salvaría a su papá de donde estaba. Wow. So nobody really understood what this meant because she only told that to her friend. She didn't tell, tell everybody that. So they were just kind of like, that's weird. Yeah, that's not a normal behavior of grieving. Exactly. La prima de Martín, llamada Griselda, declaró que Isabel mencionó que, te, te, que trataría de regresar a su padre y solo necesitaba una señal que ella tenía que ver para encargarse de, de traerlo de, de quote unquote, del infierno. Y solo necesitaba una señal. So that's all she needed for her to go ahead and do it. She also mentioned to somebody else in the family that she was going to murder her own children. No, not murder, to put her own children to sleep. Basically to murder their own children in order for them to go to heaven and bring her father back. And this wasn't a red flag to the family member? Well, in one of those moments, she ended up telling Martin that he had that she had these problems, that she had these thoughts. Okay. And in that moment, Martin la llevó al doctor to, to get her help. Good. So she took her to a, uh, to a psychiatrist and told her, like, this is what's going on. She's having these moods. She, this happened as soon as, like, her, her father passed away. And, like, she, she keeps having, having these thoughts. thoughts. Yeah. Yes. Pero, al poco tiempo, la doctora le recetó dos medicamentos. Uno para el día y uno para la noche. Okay. According to family members. The way that they describe it is that the morning pill that she would take would help her stay awake and motivated and just very happy. And the night one would help her to go to sleep. Okay. So they didn't really know what medication it was. They just knew that that was the purpose of the medication. Durante su confesión, Isabel declaró que unas semanas antes de lo suceso, fue a hablar con un padre y le confesó que, la, que había una, unas personas siguiéndola. So she said that she felt like there was something malicious following her. Okay. The padre in that moment told her, nobody's following you. This is all in your head. And please go get help. So everybody around her was That's telling her to get help. Like you're not okay. Yeah. And and Martin was doing what a husband should do and, and like what um, a family member should do. And, and it took her to go get help. Go get help. Yeah. But they realized that She had, like, up and downs when it came to this medication. So there was a moment where she was okay. She was fine. Um, she was her normal self. And then she would dip and go into mm. these, like, I can't get up in the morning. 
And Martin also would call off of work and take her, to take care of his children and her because there was moments where she didn't have the energy to get out of bed. It was really bad. When it was bad, it was yeah. really bad. So, she, so he even did everything he could in his hands to help her. But sadly, it wasn't enough. However, according to Maria Salazar, Martin, Martin's cousin, she was quoted by saying that Isabel was depressed after the death of her father. That's the only thing that could have triggered her. <clears throat> she may have fallen into a really bad depression after that. Well, that's a quote from her from his cousin. And there was nothing else that triggered her. No. They're just identifying the, that. Yeah, they were they were pretty death, sure that that's what triggered her to to have this depressive episode. episode. Okay. Shortly shortly after um, beginning her medication treatment, Isabel was showing so much improvement. The weeks before the murders, um, his brother said that the family had all gone out. They had gone to the mall. They had gone to eat. Um, they were even like laughing, making jokes. Everything was completely normal. Nothing out of character. But on July 3rd, he called Martin and invited him over to celebrate um, 4th of July, which is Independence Day in the United yeah. States. They were going to do a barbecue, and they were, and he asked him, like, you should come over. We're going to celebrate for the July. But sadly, Martin declined. And he said, "I'm uh, we're actually going to go to a cabin, um, like, a few hours away. And we're going to celebrate 4th of July there with the family. I rented a cabin, and this is going to help um, Isabel feel better. Just them. Just them, like, you know, just to celebrate them, like, together. Yeah. During this trip... It took them almost 24 hours to get to the cabin. So 24 hours. Yes. So they get to the they leave that that uh, July 3rd. They go to the cabin. They stay at the cabin on 4th of July. They go out to the to this lake or this this like body of water basically. They don't really say where they went or anything. They just said there was body of water and there was cabins. So the, the kids go and they run out and they're playing in the water like, you know, normal kids. But during this time, Isabel dice que se acerca al agua y siente que el mar se las quiere llevar. A sus hijos y a ella. So she describes it almost in a very negative way, saying that the ocean is trying to take us away. I don't know if you understand yeah. what I'm yeah. trying wow. to... Yeah, Yeah. That was like one of her main, like takeaways from that moment um in, in that trip she also goes on to say that she very she felt very uneasy in the cabin she said that um she felt a dark malicious devil presence in that cabin that she felt was following her around um and she begged martin to take them back home the next day and I'm like her religion like really really impacted her way of thinking. Yeah. 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 So Martin, as a good husband, said yes and drove them back home that next morning. When they went back home, they declared that it was fine. She was fine. She was her normal self. Nothing was out of character. Um, and she was okay throughout the whole morning. But as soon as nightfall um, hits, everything changed. She started to feel very anxious very nervous her mood like slightly changed it wasn't erratic it was just slightly changing like she she wasn't her like she wasn't she didn't feel at peace during uh the nighttime uh diana actually says that she saw her mother 
pick out um, her Bible and begin to um, read a portion of the Bible and began to pray. And shortly after, everyone fell asleep. On July 6th, around 3 a.m., Isabel wakes up from, from, from her sleep and goes to the kitchen. And this is where the gruesome part of uh, the story comes in. She gets a knife from the kitchen and goes to her youngest son, Axel. He wakes up and she closes his nose, stabs him right in the chest, and asphyxiates him until he dies. During that time, Dakota awoke from her dream. And she looks at her mother and sees her approaching her. She does the same thing. She asphyxiates Dakota and stabs her in the chest. Without hesitation, she goes ahead and attacks Dylan, which is her second son. He doesn't move. He doesn't make a noise. He was completely asleep. And she does the same thing to him. Then after that, she she lunges to Isabel, her oldest daughter, and stabs her in the chest. When Isabel notices that her mother was on top of her, it was too late, and she dies. When all of this is going on, her second oldest daughter, Diana, wakes up. She sees her mother in a complete, calm manner, murdering her brothers and sisters. She lunges towards her and tells her, I'm sorry for what I'm going to do to you, and begins to attack her. In that moment, Martin rushes downstairs and sees the brutal murder of of his sons and daughters. Before you know it, Isabel rushes towards him and stabs him right in the chest twice causing immediately for him to pass away. During that time, Diana explains that her father actually yelled out, don't do this, what are you doing, don't do this. During this time, Isabel gathers all of the family members into one room. She drags them all into one room. She places a Bible on the father's chest and religious symbols all over her all over her children she also places rosaries on them and begins to chant a prayer she begins to hallucinate and go around in circles during this moment diana is still awake she sees her mother putting all these pulling all of them in the room chanting praying completely calm collected no remorse, no sense of crying, nothing. Then she sees her go towards the phone, slit her wrist, call 911, and confesses the murders. She said this in Spanish, which the operator did not understand. So it took a while oh, for the police to come and find them. Oh, wow. Yes. But during the, you know how when they record the 911 calls um she you could hear it that she confesses to the murderers so um there's no doubt that there was any mistake to to acknowledge Um, that she confessed during the phone call for them yes 
WSB-TV reported that Isabel remained with the bodies inside the house for at least 24 hours. However, other reports say that they were found that same day in July 6th in that morning. The Winneka County Police found the horrendous massacres and arrested Isabel, found five dead bodies, but one was still alive. Diana was rushed to the hospital and remained in the ICU Children's Hospital of Atlanta for weeks. Um, they said that her wounds were, um, weren't, they, they were deep, but they weren't critical, and she was had a high possibility of surviving. So, that was good. During the first confession, she committed that she she said that she committed the murders, Isabel, and they were going to they were going to go to heaven. That's what she explained in her in her phone call. In the second confession, however, she told the detectives that an old family friend came over into the home, murdered the whole family. And shortly vanish. Of course. You yes. always come up with a story like this. Yeah, she said that, they, that she vanished as soon as she called 911. She said she couldn't identify the person because that was the police's job. She wow. literally said that. And um, however, weeks after when Diana was recovering, she explained that she saw her mother murder her siblings and her father. She also mentions that she saw her mother slit her wrist and call 911 shortly after committing the crimes. What makes this scene, this case, even more bizarre than it than it already is, is the way that Isabel acted during the courtroom. Shortly after being arrested for the murders, she arrived to court smiling and extending her arms and kneeling in front of the courtroom to the cameras and in a form of prayer. During that time, the judge asked Isabel, who was representing herself, that she didn't need the court to assign her attorney. She declared that she was representing herself, and she goes on to say the following. Mis abogados son la gente por la que estamos luchando. Es la esperanza de todos los pueblos. Siempre va a haber esperanza porque es lo último que muere. Ya estoy representando a la gente humilde, a la gente trabajadora, a la gente que sufre y a la gente que tiene muchos cargos para que vean que todo se puede con la ayuda de Dios. I know. I can't. I know. I don't have words for this woman. Exactly. So, basically, even her family, but even Martin's family members, um, when they were interviewed for this, they all declared that this is not the Isabel they, that they knew. They said that they looked into her eyes during those photos and those videos, and they they say that that's not her, that she's still in this hallucination and in this hysteria, that she still hasn't clicked into reality. Very paranoid. Yes. I remember watching her videos. She just... Yeah, she looks glazed out. Like, she doesn't look athlete. like she's there. Yeah. Yes. So, like, even, like, Martin's family and everybody that knew her was like, that's not her. That's not, that's not who we know. Like, literally, the death of her father triggered all of this. And that, that, that's not her. Like, even throughout the whole murders and the whole situation, what touches me is the fact that they're, they're still very, like, not protective, but, like, like questioning it? Yeah, yeah they still have like it? some sort of compassion towards her um, in the form of like 
Like they 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 know that she didn't mean to do this. They knew they saw it from before. Yes. And this happened, and they they don't know who this other one is. Yes. Doesn't matter. Yes. She still did it. She still did it. They understand that. They understand that she did it, but they 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 feel that remorse towards like knowing that she's still she still hasn't clicked into reality. There was like an interview where one of of Martin's cousins even says like she hasn't realized what she has done. But when she does click into it, that's when that's when the tragedy is going to happen. And that's when she's going to realize what she did. And uh, there's no coming back from it, basically. Isabel was charged with six counts of aggressive assault with a deadly weapon, five counts of felony and five counts of malice murder, malice murder. Sorry. Um, Other reports say that she was also charged with attempted murder against a child when it comes to the survival of her second oldest daughter, Diana. She was sentenced to life in prison, but eligible for parole in 21 years. Her attorneys begged the judge to send Isabel to um, a psychiatric ward um, instead of prison because that she wouldn't get the help she needs from prison. Mm. Um, and she would get the proper health treatment. If she is let out in 21 years she will be automatically deported back to Mexico. Su madre, Maria Elena Martinez, uh, se enteró del asesinamiento. She, she found out because of the murders through social media. Really? Yes. So she didn't the know... The grandma of the kids. Yes. So la mamá de Isabel wow. did, not, did not know anything about the murders until she saw, like, social media oh and, like, God. reports on TV about the murders. So, I mean, already getting the news is, like, the worst... Exactly. And then hearing it from others. I know that's that's the hardest part about this case that she didn't even know. Like she didn't. Nobody told her. She had to find out through other places. Univision uh, reportó que ella y otras de otras las otras dos de sus hijas um, también um, padecían de enfermedades mentales. Pero ella describía estas enfermedades mentales como una enfermedad nerviosa. So she even herself doesn't know what it was. What it was, yeah. But she also claims that this is, like, this is her hereditary. Like there was it, something there. She yeah. knew. She had a feeling. Yeah, but she, she said that she didn't want to say, you know, it's like a like a mental health issue. Because um, we, like, we, as, as like, like, generations that live here know that it's a mental health issue. But for over there, it's like, oh, don't, don't call us crazy. Like, it's just something yeah. that is in the nervous mm-hmm. system. Um, después de varios estudios psicológicos se determinó que Isabel sufre de esquizofrenia Esto es, estos estudios también determinaron que ella sufría de trastornos mentales por varios años y tenía episodios depresivos y cambios de humor rep- repentinos. también concluyeron que el fallecimiento de su padre um, es lo que it's what triggered these episodes yeah. And they made it, like, more intensified. According to sources, Isabel Martinez, de 10 años, Decora Romero, de 7 años, Dylan Romero, de 4 años, Axel Oliver Romero, de 2 años, y el padre Martín Romero, de 33 años, fueron uh, sepultados en Hidalgo, Michoacán, la ciudad donde vio nacer a Martín. Su familia de Estados Unidos, que vivía con él, um, le lograron tener una visa de emergencia para poder asistir el funeral de su familia en Michoacán. Diana fue adoptada por su tío 
de parte de, de, de su papá Martín. Y en una entrevista con Aquí y Ahora, declaró que le gusta pasar tiempo con su tío y le gusta reír con él porque tiene la misma sonrisa que su papá. Oh, poor baby. Which that, like, when seeing that interview, I, I swear, it It's made me almost want to cry Aww. because the way she describes her relationship with her uncle is almost as if she's looking at him as a paternal figure. Yeah, um, she's seeing her dad. Yeah, because she, she says that he, he has the same sense of humor as her dad. So um, that's why she likes to spend time with him. According to Sherry, Cheryl Myers, a psychology professor and um, Wright State University in Ohio, and a co-author of two books of Mother Who Killed Children, explained that in cases when mothers kill uh, intentionally, there's often another influence, such as, such as mental health issues or loss of a close loved one. She also mentions that uh, mothers who killed their um, children is actually very common and isn't something like out of the ordinary um but yeah this is basically the overall uh information on today's case of uh, isabel well maria isabel garduno martinez and the sad massacre of her family wow i don't i don't have words for this yeah i know this is just it's tragic It it uh it definitely when I first heard about this case, it kind of blew my mind because um when doing research on this case, there's two main things that really caught my attention um just when 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 reading this case. Um one of them is that when I looked for uh articles in English uh based on this case a lot of the English outlets outlets focused on her immigration, um, which really interesting really rubbed me the wrong way because it wasn't about a mother who murdered her children. It was an illegal mother murdered her children or an undocumented mother killing her children. They highlighted that. They highlighted the yeah. fact that she was not from the United States. Like if that was the reason why she did all of this. Exactly. Which really, really kind of rubbed me the wrong way as a, like I said, as a, as a child of immigrant parents. It's like they're human first before they're this title that you place on them. Um, and it really, it really just like enraged me at the fact that it's not about the children It's not about the mother who had mental health issues. It's about her um, her immigration status, um, which really just like made me really angry. Um, apart from everything else that the case had, you know, to had to say. Um, but the second thing that um, really hit me also was the fact that um, she got help, and things still didn't go the right way. Um, not because um, the health, mental health system failed her, but because she didn't have enough like resources to help her. Because I'm pretty sure going to like a therapist or a psychiatrist would be very expensive for them. Because um, él era un albañil y and she was a stay-at-home mom. Mm, so, okay. so, so maybe the insurance there was yeah. So I'm pretty oh, sure God. there was like some sort of like like they couldn't reach for more uh a better psychiatric um help 
for her. Um, because they were trying. They really were trying. They did try. It, this is one of the first cases that we see that yeah. that that they somebody did. actually yeah. goes out of their way and like go gets help for mm-hmm. for uh, the person that's committing the murders. Algo pasó ahí. Yeah. Que no mencionaron. Something happened that didn't. It didn't work out for a reason. Yeah. Something. Because even like after her father's death and after her getting her medication straight, um. They still saw that those red signs of like her not being okay, and um, I'm pretty sure it's not because they didn't want to help her. It's just that they probably didn't have the money or the resources to do it. Yeah, and um, and that's kind of the thing where the the, the system really fucks up to um to those that need help. And I feel like therapy and um any sort of like mental health uh, resources should be available for everybody, not just people that are born here. And I know that's like a very political aspect of it or whatever, but I mean, it, it this could prevent a lot of things from happening. And I don't feel like the political system understands that, you know, we could stop a lot of crimes that are go- going globally and nationally to to reduce those by having a more open and more available um, resources for mental health. No, yeah, I got you. It's 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 hard out there, especially with all of that. And there are places mm-hmm. that I know of that do take, you know, there's therapists or psychologists that do take a lesser um, copay. Yeah, but you have to look for them. Yeah. And it's not easily available. And it's for not easily available. Not every therapist or psychologist does it. Yeah. So it's hard. Yeah. At times for fam- but for people to find the support. Exactly. I feel like it's super hard because unless you go out and look for them, they're not going to come towards you. And those resources aren't like kind of highlighted in, in the medical field where it's like, oh, you can't afford for a therapist. Th- these are like places you can go to get help. It's mostly like some people do it, some people don't. So, which is unfortunate. It's like you yeah. have to be lucky. Like if you get a therapist, it's gonna be like, yes, you know, I can't treat you, but déjale ayudo. Yeah. Unfortunately, not many might be that way. Yeah, exactly. Because some people either do it for the money, sadly, and some like don't have the potential. Like I guess, like for like for example, for you, like you probably don't have like an open slot for somebody that's like, hey, I can't pay you, but like. Can you help me? You know, because it's like you're, you have a, a full roster, especially right now with like what's going on in the in the country with COVID and stuff. Like, I feel like it's gotten to the point that there's not enough therapists for the amount of people that need yeah. help. I mean, we're supposed to give referrals, too. So yeah. if we can't take them, we're supposed to help out, you know, the individual. I just something happened there. Yeah. Like it was either I don't know. It was either she wasn't taking the medication how she was supposed to. Yes. Or she didn't go often to see the psychiatrist and maybe what she was taken was it wasn't what she needed. What she needed. Maybe yeah. she needed more or maybe they needed to try a different medication. That's what's missing. Yeah. I I personally feel like there was there was probably a misdiagnosis or or they couldn't properly diagnose her for the amount of time she was in therapy she, for. Yeah. I feel like that's probably what happened. And, and, Especially um, with medication, because yeah. you might try one and it doesn't work. And yeah. it's like, I mean, you have to try it at least for a month. Like, yeah. try it out, see if it works. 
maybe, like you're saying, it was such a short amount of time. Maybe they didn't have enough time to actually find the right. Exactly. Because her father, from, for her. From, from what I read, her father died around Father's Day. And this happened around 4th of July. So it's literally a month. So it's most oh, yeah. Li- so it's most yeah. likely she didn't That's have the friend. right medication cuz she if she went to like a a psychiatrist or a therapist around mid June it wasn't enough time for it her wasn't. to probably be medicated. And even going into court she didn't look like she was like paying attention cuz there's parts where um um cuz they they show parts of the of the uh, not the trial but like kind of where they're they're like reading her rights and like for attorney and stuff she um the the judge has to tell her to like calm down that she need she doesn't she she can't be um doing these erratic behaviors in front of in front of the judge and literally has to tell her you know you need to like relax kind of thing and um and she just keeps looking at the camera and like praying and smiling and doing thumbs up and doing like religious like symbols and stuff so um yeah there's there's that whole portion of it and i feel like like she didn't get the help that she needed or she did but not it wasn't enough time yeah it wasn't enough time to like see where she needed to go yeah but yeah that was a difficult case it was it was it was difficult in in a sense that children were sadly murdered and and a loving husband was also tragically murdered for not because of because they did something wrong or or anything it's it's sadly because the 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 treatment didn't come in time i guess um because even like after they did the psychological evaluation they came out with that that she was schizophrenic and she had these um these mental health issues like throughout her whole life and and even her mother said it like you know they've been suffering through it but like nobody was probably diagnosing people like in a pueblo in Michoacán I mean there's disorders that yeah you know situational yeah um, but for her especially when they're saying que ya enseñaba yeah like symptoms yeah. of other illnesses. We don't know what other illnesses she was showing. So exactly. There was something yeah. going on before. Yeah. Maybe she was really good at covering it up. Yeah. From what it sounds like. It, it, yeah, that's exactly what I'm thinking. Like, especially because like the, her oldest child was 10 years old. She came here like when she was 20 years old. Yeah. So she had only like 10 years basically with her husband to 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 show any sort of symptoms but i feel like if she's been masking it on for 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 so long she became really good at it and probably didn't show any sort of symptom un- until she got really badly triggered um so yeah so it's 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 definitely a, a an intense case um and uh one that like really shook me up with kids it's always yeah. it's always, it's always a kids hard one. yeah it's, it's always, always hard in a case with kids exactly it's it's one of those things that you're like they had so much to live and and they didn't deserve to die like that. when you were describing what she was doing in the actual 
see, like scenery, like being there. Like, imagínate qué pensaron los niños, qué sintieron al levantarse y ver a la persona que aman, ver a la persona que es su madre. Yeah. Doing this. Yeah. Like, that's the last image they left with. Yeah. And this poor child, Diane, with all the trauma. Yeah. I'm so happy she has someone like her uncle, but she's going to need help. She's going to yeah. need support. Yeah, she definitely does. Um, in in a few interviews, he was saying how he's like, right now, we're just trying to help her. He's like, yeah. when she first got out of the hospital, she was just like, she she was mad. She was angry all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but she but they but he says that, you know, she's slowly getting back to like yeah. herself and like. You know, they're helping her by, like, you know, having her play with her cousin. They're, like, draw or, or express herself emotionally and right. not have her bottle up all these things uh, with herself and and try to have her have a, a normal childhood as much as she can. Um, like, she won't forget it, but, mm-hmm. um, sadly, but she, she they're trying to accommodate that. Cope. Yeah, to, to having her have, like, a normal childhood. But, um... Yeah, that was that was today's case, and uh, definitely one of those um, tragic cases that uh, that we never expect. Um, and we don't want to happen. Exactly, but um, we want you guys to let us know what you think about this case, and if you have any opinions on it, um, and if you know there's anything in particular that uh, you found very interesting, or you know anything about this case you could uh continue the conversation with us um at our social media um instagram is svsm underscore podcast it's the same thing for twitter and tiktok um i swear i'm going to start posting more on tiktok um and reels because we can't forget that we're getting there you're getting there um and you could follow us on facebook at so violentos macabro podcast um and yeah you could talk to us there let us know if you have any more details on this case or if you find any information regarding this case and uh yeah we'll we'll talk to you guys next week thanks for listening thanks for listening bye, bye. stay spooky